Welcome to week number two, and thank you for downloading the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. From Tokyo to Seattle across the Pacific, at all points throughout history, each and every week here on the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast. From Seattle, Washington, I'm Jim Valley, and each week we go to Tokyo, Japan, and talk to legendary journalist and historian Fumi Saito. Hi, Fumi, how you doing? Hi, Jim, how are you? Doing great. Want to thank everyone Good. for the great response we had so far really? with episode number one of Pacific Rim. Some great feedback, great interaction, ah. and a lot of people downloaded it. Really appreciate it. Wow, this is amazing. You're talking from Seattle, and I'm really talking from Tokyo, and the people should know about that, right? You know, it's funny. When we <laughs> talk, uh, you you mentioned how expensive it used to be for international phone calls. To oh, call. regular phone? Oh, God, we'll be spending hundreds of, hundreds of dollars. <laughs> But now it's, it's technology, huh? Now through the magic of Facebook, look what we're doing. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's good, though. Really good. So let's talk about some news this week. Uh, you went to the okay. uh, the uh, All Japan show at Corican Hall. Well, as a matter of fact, that uh, this past Monday, uh, we had national holiday, so Monday was also a holiday. And you probably assumed I went to New Japan show at the Sumo Palace, right? New Japan show. I thought it was a good opportunity. I, I, I went to All Japan Wrestling Show at Korakuen same time. That's this past Monday, you know, if you woke up early enough and go noon show for Korakuen at the Women's Wrestling Wave, and there was one show at the Shinkiba, Lucha Underground had a show. In Odaiba, there was an Onita show. And uh, this is, you know, like a four, five, six shows you can choose from the same day. Same afternoon and night. I'm sure a lot of people went two or three shows, you know. The noon show, three o'clock show, and at night. But I uh, kind of choose to go to Old Japan show at Korakuen, and there was a triple crown title match. So Now, New Japan I, has obviously had a, a resurgence, but even Old Japan has seen a bit of a resurgence on its own. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Not as big as New Japan. Or I, sh I should say, not as commercialized, because New Japan is much like, a lot like WWE. You know, they come up with video games and all kinds of new toys, you know, card games, download games, that, that uh, all kinds, you know, up-to-date, you know, gadgets. Whereas, all Japan don't have much, you know. And uh, they don't even release DVDs that much. No, I understand and it was pretty close to a sellout yeah. at Corican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have their own following. And the Triple Crown, you know, Triple Crown goes back to, wow, how many years, you know? And uh, it was the same Triple Crown from Jumbo Tsura to Brody to, you know, Misawa, Kobashi, all, you know, then and after 2000, Muto and all kinds of people. Now it's for um, Kento, Miyahara, and Suwama. And I don't think they are less of a star. The quality of wrestling is very high, very good. You know what I'm saying? It's just not as popular or commercialized. Or it's just uh, a lot of people, they have a lot to do, you know, more to work on. on uh, um, uh, In-ring work is good. It just needs more gadgets. You know what I'm saying? What do you mean by gadgets? Yeah. Well, like a DVD or your internet streaming service 
or more appearance or more exposure, interviews, goods, T-shirts, posters, you know, all kinds of things, outside the ring to get more attention. You know, have wrestlers appear on game shows or do more talk show or do a lot more commercial things, T-shirts, you know, baseball cap, anything. So what was the big they news just, coming out of Cork and Hall? What was the main event? Uh, main event was champ, Triple Crown champion Kento Miyahara uh, taking on ex-champion, uh, the former champion, Suama. Then Suama went over and got, became new Triple Crown champion. Yeah. You know, the two... Uh, have people be more familiar with this product that uh, I, my idea is uh, Kento Miyahara can be your Kazuchika Okada. You know what I'm saying? And you can make Zeus, Zeus we call him, into more of a Shinsuke Nakamura type of position. And new champion Suama, he is more of a, like a bigger, you know, like a physical, larger version of he can be Tanahashi type. You know what I'm saying? If they, you know, have that the place people in right position, right position, and have right angles and storyline and the character thing going, all Japan can be major league again. That's what I'm saying. What was the best match yeah. on the show? The title match. Title match. The Kento Miyahara against Suama. And actually, they have people like Ultimo Dragon or Tajiri, all these people working in all Japan. And all kinds, you know, new generation wrestlers are coming up, you know. Um, yeah. Um, I think they got good software, you know, software, like as in content of match is good, wrestlers are there. It just don't have that... Uh, uh, more, more of a, uh, just outside help, you know. Yeah, that's the gadget what I'm talking about. So now that uh, Suama's the champion again, where do you think they Suama go? Suama is here? the champion again. Yeah, where do you think they go from here? Suama against Joe Doring, title match in Yokohama in two weeks. Joe Doring should be this generation Stan Hansen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's gotten some good buzz. He's kind of he's kind of been an underground guy for a while, but he's got he's had some good buzz. Yeah, yeah, and then people like him. The same size as Brody and Hanson was, you know. Nah, as a big star, obviously, but uh, he's got the size. He works Japanese style. He's got the Tangelon cowboy hat, and he's got a fur boots like Brody does. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, a lot of nostalgia. You know, like you know, going. It's, all Japan always need big American gaijin wrestler star. So we're leading it's to the uh, the show on the 21st at uh, the Yokohama Bunker Gym. And they're, they're billing yeah. it as the 25th anniversary for both Akiyama and Amori. That's right. That's right. That's right. They are more of like uh, Kojima and Tenzan position now in New Japan. Veterans. But they don't want to be on main event they want to have their own thing going in like a after intermission type you know what I'm saying Akiyama can still go though but uh, but he's the producer too and uh, yeah it's good to have Akiyama and Omori type veteran on the show always always but they step down 
you know, a little bit and giving room for new stars like Kento Miyahara, uh, Zeus, uh, other guys that are coming up. And they have a lot of new rookie guys too. Good size, good ability, you know. Uh, you just have to keep going and watching, you know, just, just I want to witness these guys grow as a star, you know. Now, is, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. I'm a little tired. Yeah. And, uh, I, uh, but yeah, yeah. Scott Hall's kid wrestling for All Japan? Uh, Cody Hall, you mean? Yeah. Uh, he's working for Pro Wrestling Noah now. Okay, Noah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he lives in Japan. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's the one. Well, you wouldn't want to say Scott Hall's kids because he's his own person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's six, seven, and uh, seven-year experience, and uh, he doesn't want to look like his father. He doesn't want to work like his father. He wants to be his own person, and I believe he can. He's very talented, you know? And uh, he's just like his father. That he All he talks about is wrestling and his ideas and what he wants to do 24-7. As a matter of fact, I talk to him all the time. Seven years. Wow. Has he been doing it that long? Wow. It doesn't feel like it, but I guess so. Yeah, yeah. And he's been to Japan, what, uh, five years now? Boy, time flies. He started with New Japan. Yeah, he started with New, New Japan. But he had a small neck surgery here in Japan, too, though. So he was sidelined for like eight months in between. And uh, he chose to go to Noah on his own because... You know, New Japan roster is just loaded, right? Yeah. And now that Davy Boy, you know, Smith Jr. and Lance Archer and that the Suzuki Gun crew came back from North to New Japan. New Japan has what, the 65 guys? And uh, he just realized that, no, this is not the place I want to be. And uh, lucky enough that uh, Noah wanted him, you know? Hey, before we get into New Japan, I did that brings up a point that I wanted to talk about. A lot of people are talking about, uh, you know, for example, Neville leaving apparently, or whatever the story is there on WWE. Oh, really? Yeah, there's uh, there, there's talk yeah. about that. It seems like anybody like like Neville or uh, whomever who gets fired or leaves or there's talk of them leaving. Everyone always says, no matter who it is, oh, they should join the Bullet Club. Everyone needs to join the Bullet Club. <laughs> or, I guess when you yeah. put the, the number of people under the under a contract or in the roster of New Japan, just, just generally talking, not about uh, who would be a good fit or politically. I mean, can New Japan absorb much more talent than they have right now? Uh, yeah, always. Not 10 guys, but... Uh... If the guy is good enough, they'll take him. You know, they have to have ideas. Not just, they don't just book tours and book wrestlers. You know what I'm saying? They have to book wrestlers, you know, with ideas and plans and angles accordingly, huh? So probably never will fit into junior heavyweight division. So one guy can be added. You know what I'm saying? They couldn't add 10 more guys right away. So, or whomever got fired or who's leaving WWE, it's not automatic sign. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like Jimmy Jacobs. Ah, yeah. But just, you know, if it's Rick, Rick Cochet, everybody wants him. How's that? You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. And also, 
I believe New Japan, the bookers, like, you know, Jado, Gedo, they are constantly watching tapes of groups like Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, you know? They're, they're full of raw talents, you know, who hasn't had major exposure, but who can come to Japan pretty much right away and fit into the system. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think Neville will always have a chance in Japan. Yeah, he's very special. Yeah, he's very talented. Yeah. You yeah. mentioned uh, Ricochet, and uh, he yeah. actually took the pinfall at uh, Sumo Hall, um, the Sumo Palace. Uh, what do you do? You think uh, Ricochet is leaving New Japan? There's talk he's going to WWE. I believe he's eventually going to go to WWE. Eventually, yeah. This I don't know about this, you know, outcome of this particular match, or that, or that means anything. Or, but Ricochet, I believe, will be in WWE sooner or later. Yeah, definitely. What are your thoughts on uh, Rapongi 3K with Show and Yo? They are the one who has to prove themselves. You know. It's not like Japanese wrestlers and American wrestlers are treated differently. It's, it's all in New Japan ring that the strong sense of competition is always there. You know what? That's what we have to really understand. That uh, see, if you are wrestling fans, you understand. But if you are not a wrestling fan, it's all show and fake and this and that. It's like everything will work and who get pushed and who isn't. The sense of competition is always there. You know, everybody or each talent looking at each other, and they always, they are always constantly trying to out, outperform one another. You know what I'm saying? The sense of competition is, is true. That, uh, yeah, those two, the, 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 they were Tempura boys in America, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they got a new identity, and uh, they came came home as a as a as a new star, and uh, they will have to deal with people like Hiromu Takahashi and other who, who you know who is on the same roster. You know, uh, I believe in their sense of competition. You know, they'll be good. They'll be good. There's so many guys that are good. I know there's but, so uh, much yeah. talent. So much talent. So much talent. The funny thing is, though, you don't, you cannot have 60 wrestlers on the card. You know, you can have up to maybe 35 to 40 guys, huh? And uh, you have to win, actually. Not the match, but you have to win the trust from the company. You have to win the audience. You have to really win, you know? Uh, so I believe in this, you know, competition among guys. You know, nobody's safe there. Much like WWE, you know, because there are, you know, 75 guys at the performance center who doesn't even have, you know, ring name yet. But uh, some of those people are just as talented as guys in the main roster. Just not a, not not had experience or exposure yet. You know. One of the really things helped. that came out of the uh, the sumo show with New Japan, yeah. uh, not a yeah. big surprise, but it's going to be Okada versus Naito 
at uh, Wrestle at Kingdom Tokyo at the Dome. Tokyo Dome sure, in sure. January. How big of a sh- how That's big of it. a draw is that match in Japan? Do you think is that the biggest possible main event they could do right now? I think so. I think so. More so than uh, Kenny Omega Utah, if you, if that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, Kenny. Uh, yeah, okay, let's not talk about him. But uh, uh, Kazuchika Okada against Naito. Yes, that is your main event. The Wrestle Kingdom, January fourth, Tokyo Dome is like your WrestleMania. So the name Wrestle Kingdom, January fourth, Tokyo Dome tradition. That show itself is a draw. You know. Now. Much because of Naito against Okada. Yeah, that's a top card, top, really a top card. But Wrestle Kingdom, January 4th, during your New Year's holiday, you know, people will go, you know, a lot like WrestleMania, you know? Do you anticipate that this show will outdraw last year's Wrestle Kingdom? I don't remember this year's, yeah, uh, crowd was a pretty big crowd, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a Kenny Omega against Okada then, yes. They lasted until 10.30 at night. Yeah. <laughs> and 50, 58 minutes or something like that, you know? Now, we've talked about this, I think, on the last show, or we've talked about it. Maybe we talked about it on my torch show, Wrestling Road Stories. I think that's where it was. Where what, you what, what? were, I believe you said that you were under the opinion that you expect Okada to retain at at Wrestle Kingdom. Do you still feel that way right now? Against Naito. Against Naito, yes. Yeah, I'm pretty. That's I might be wrong. Okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but yeah, but Okada, yes, Okada. Oh, yeah, retain the title. You think that you are anticipating Naito's reign now? I don't anticipate anything yet. Uh, I wait till I get a little bit closer, but I just that just stuck in my mind that you thought that maybe the story, yet again, was going to be you know maybe Naito comes close, sort of like Omega, and wears mm-hmm. maybe uh, wears uh, wears Okada down this match for for maybe somewhere down the road. I think is what you said. And that will be probably probably Naito, but. Uh... You in Japanese, like a real traditional, you know, way of, you know, like handling that the championship, that uh, you have to challenge five, six times before you really win it. You know what I'm saying? Do you think yeah, Okada is still a bigger star? I think. Yeah, and I was going to ask you. So he's coming up on the record for the longest continuous title reign and the most days holding the IWGP title. How do you think Okada hmm. compares to legendary champions of the past? Oh, wow. That is really fan-like question. I cannot compare. See, that is like asking somebody you know, to compare apples to oranges. It is. No, I agree. No. Yeah, you cannot compare Okada to Antonio Inoki, Ricky Choshu. Keiji Muto, you know, or Hashimoto or somebody like that, Kensuke Sasaki, it's a different era, You're dealing with different audience, different, you know, day, age, situation, everything. And Okada is very good champion at this point. But I cannot compare him with people like Inoki, Fujinami, Choshu, Muto, anybody. It's just different era. If you were dealing with exact same audience, you can compare. You know what I'm saying? 
It's just, you cannot compare 1970s to 1990s to 1990s to zeros. It's all different. Can you compare John Cena to Bruno San Martino? You know, it's just hard. Yeah, no, it's it's a completely different era. So I I, I understand what you're saying mm-hmm. as far as, you know, some of the names you talked about drew bigger crowds, for example, to the Tokyo Dome or, or things like that. But then again, they also had different eras as far as television exposure and different mm-hmm. platforms mm-hmm. and not as many platforms and competition and things. No, it's a... Or it's not, the it's knowledge not a of 70s wrestling fan to the information and knowledge of today's fans, you know, or what yeah. they want today or what they were wanted back then, you know? So I did want to ask one question about about Omega. And just saying, where uh-huh. does... The, if if Na, if it's going to be Naito and Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, does yeah. this leave... Do you think that at some point uh, Omega will get back into the title picture? Or do you think he's... Is he the odd man out? He will still be in top cluster. You know, probably... Naito against um, um, Tanahashi for uh, Intercontinental title title match. That's the second from top. Or um, na, um, Ibushi against Kenny Omega. Probably, let's say, Ibushi beat Tanahashi for you know, Intercontinental title, and then he'll be champion. How's that? Then champion Ibushi going against his friend, former friend, Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, so Kenny Omega is always going to be in the top cluster, though. And he's a Japanese wrestler, basically. You know, I don't think he wants to go to WWE or anything at this point. So, um, I want to do you think so? Pardon me? Do you think Kenny Omega wants to go to WWE at all? You know, Kenny Omega seems like a guy who really dances to his own drum. And it's been Mm. very successful for him. And I think, you know, common sense says at some point he's going to want maybe a little bit easier of a style on his body at some point. But I think more than anybody else, you know, he's a a different animal. it's hard to say with yeah, him. Yeah, I think so. It's a different cat. Yeah. And also, even at his peak, even at his peak, going to WWE, I just don't think he'll be treated as big of a star as, let's say, AJ Styles and Finn Balor. Yeah. You know? Let's talk about, yeah, because you were saying something interesting about Nakamura. Yeah, and, I wanted to talk uh, about this. So we just had the the pay-per-view last weekend as we're recording this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was pretty much a lackluster match between Nakamura you're talking, you're talking and WWE he- champion Jinder Mahal. What are, your, what yeah. are your thoughts on Nakamura losing so co- convincingly to, to Jinder Mahal? And Jinder Mahal, <laughs> during, the, during the match, you saw this is boring, this is boring chant, right? Yeah. You heard that. And, uh, yeah, not to take anything away from Jinder Mahal, but I don't think he's that good of a champion at this point. But uh, um, what you were saying was very interesting to me, that uh, when he, when Nakamura goes back to Japan or something, 
Yeah, how do you think he'll be seen when eventually his WWE run... Look, look, no, 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 no. That's a very big no, 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 okay? First, he has no plan of going back to Japan. He does not plan on coming back, going join New Japan ever again. He's not a New Japan wrestler. He's WWE superstar. That's bottom line. Nakamura. Look, Nakamura left Japan. Okay? There is no connection to Japanese market whatsoever anymore. He is that special. All right, if you don't understand this, if you don't understand this, let's put it this way. Hideo Nomo, how's that? Ichiro, or Hideki Matsui went to New York, you know, the World Series MVP. See, he is in his own league of superstar, Shinsuke Nakamura. He is not going back to New Japan. That is so wrong. So there is, at no point, he is not, uh, he'll be back in New Japan ring. I don't think so. Nakamura has left the building. He is not New Japan superstar. He is WWE superstar. Okay? See, he is this 37 year old superstar. He was born in 1980, you know? And he has, he was, uh, he, the first match was 2002. So he has 15 year experience. Just like John Cena is, okay? He had the IWGP run, NWF champion run, IWGP under 30, you know, like a U30, and he created IWGP Intercontinental title and made it important. He has done everything he could do in New Japan ring. He has left the company, and he is not going back. No. He's going to finish his wrestling career in America. He left Japan and went to bigger, you know, like a bigger and better things. Seriously. So there's not a, no plan, you know, of ever going back to Japan. Is that new to you? Do you have any thoughts on, have you, have you, do you have a no, sense? No, I want to hear what you feel about that. Huh? You know, I, I, that makes sense. I, I get the comparison talking about uh, Matsui or Ichiro. Ichiro. Yeah. Hideo Nomo. Yeah. yeah. What about the, do you have a perception or do you have a feel for how he's perceived after not winning the WWE Championship this past week? Has Still it hurt his stock in Japan? Well, but perception of Nakamura doesn't change by one, you know, title match overnight that guy is superstar okay he's very very special title match lose I mean like last against Jinder Mahal at one particular Hell in a Cell pay-per-view I don't think that's going to change much of his position I'll tell you what he is very special there's a oh, there are a lot of reasons for it but uh, he's not even being treated as Japanese wrestler. Okay, we gotta go back to a little bit of um, history lesson. There were a group of Japanese wrestlers post-war, you know, 1950s to 1960s, you talk about Great Togo or Mitsu Arakawa or Mr. Moto, you know, all those Japanese wrestlers that were 
actually American, American people, you know, American citizens. And 70, okay, 60s and 70s, we had Hiro Matsuda and, uh, you know, well into 70s, you have, okay, let's, Masa Saito, that uh, Killer Khan, the great Kabuki, Kendo Narasaki, they were Jap Japanese wrestlers who actually came from Japan and lived in America and worked. You know what I'm saying? And 80s, well into 90s, great Muta. We had great Muta. Great wrestler, great superstar, huge. But none of these wrestlers really grew out of Japanese stereotypes that, uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, because American, you know, promoter or American audience too, and uh, American general public, I guess, that, that they expect certain stereotypes out of Japanese wrestlers. As talented as Great Muta was, he was still mysterious, you know, the... The green Japanese mist. Stereotype. Yes, he, as talented as he was, he didn't really grow out of Japanese stereotypes, okay? Shinsuke Nakamura is the first Japanese wrestler not being really treated as where you come from or what you know ethnic backgrounds are. Yeah. And yeah, he doesn't dress up like Japanese wrestler. He doesn't work like Japanese wrestler. And he is his his own man. And uh, that's that. Uh, Nakamura has been very eccentric, even in Japan too. That. Uh, he can do all these moves, but if somebody's throwing everyday conventional drop kick, he would not do it. So he has karate kick, right? He doesn't even have your conventional bo uh, body slam. Everybody else is doing it, I wouldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? He does not watch other wrestlers' matches, tapes. He watches movies. He goes to concert of rock, you know, rock music. He knows about modern art. He watch other people's other things and uh, combine it, and kind of make it into his wrestling. You know what I'm saying? He is more of a Michael Jackson of pro, you know, pro wrestling than uh, your stereotypical Japanese style star. And uh, WWE knows that, and WWE call him the earliest, the earliest known as Shinsuke Nakamura, you know? Yeah, he's not he's playing off eccentric. of those those World War II stereotypes with the sneaky Japanese Pearl Harbor attack. Salt, salt, and salt, salt throwing. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, and then karate chops, sneak yeah. attack. He anything. was Hawaiian, yeah. but he's not like Mr. Fuji. Even though Mr. Fuji was Hawaiian, he was still promoted as Japanese. Oh, yeah, even the people like uh, Professor Toru Tanaka, the Tor Kamata, the, there are so many of them. And uh, great Kabuki, great wrestler, great star, great Muta, great star, you know, Kilakan, all those. But they did not really grow out of Japanese stereotypes. Nakamura is the, the very first wrestler who didn't have to deal with it, you know? 21st century type star, though. And he's not going back to Japan. Let's drop that, you know?
I think that he can he, be rehabbed. I, I hope that they're saving him for a bigger time of the year because winning the title in the fall usually means you're just you're just the setup guy for WrestleMania. Um, mm. I I think and I hope he can be rehabbed, and I still would like to see a WWE title run added to his resume. Yeah, plus uh, two days after this Hell in a Cell, see Nakamura and Randy Orton tagged and went against Rusev and Aiden English, right? So he was still in the main event of SmackDown. Yeah, and he won. He was the one who pinned Aiden English. Uh, MOBA, Randy Orton was being a supported actor. The main guy was Nakamura. He came out after everybody. You know, the entrance is very important, right? Rusev and Aiden English came in the ring during the commercial break. Then Randy Orton with his music. Then Nakamura. So they still treat him as a special star, though. It'll be interesting to see how they rehab him in the months and uh, to come, particularly as we get closer to WrestleMania season and see if they have a, yeah, well, a big match. Because you, like, uh, you sounded like... Uh, that the losing to Jinder Mahal again really hurt, does it? And, you know it can, but I mean I think mm-hmm. I think you're right. So far the, the WWE has shown that it's they're still invested in him, and they still see him at a certain level. But I think I think it is it does all depend not, on the follow up. So level, far the follow up is good. He pinned he pinned John Cena, no ref bump, nothing. He pinned Randy Orton, beat him. No ref bumps, no interference, nothing. He beat, he blocked every RKO attempt, then beat him his own with his own move. That's big. So Nakamura is really, really up there, though, I think. Hey, we should talk some uh, history. We, we mentioned this yes, on sir. last week's show. Uh, yeah. that we were just going to touch base a little bit on uh, the connection between ECW. I know you're a big fan of Paul Heyman and his knowledge, but I wanted <laughs> to talk about the connection between ECW and uh, and Japan and how it has a Japanese influence, or it, it had a Japanese influence. And Japanese independent company had all kinds of ECW influence too, yeah. vice versa, during late 90s. And um, see, WWE... F at the time, during the Monday Night War thing against WCW, WWE and WCW didn't really have do any business with Japanese companies at the time because they were so busy competing with one another, right? And uh, during late uh, 90s, uh, ECW was was the one who was actually working with a lot of Japanese companies. You know, Masato Tanaka worked uh, ECW for like a year. Onita had a tour. ECW had a package tour with FMW. And uh, it was good that uh, F- Sabu was F- FMW star and he was ECW star and there was, he was the link. And uh, automatic, you know, baby face and famous and people love him here. And uh, yeah, and Paul Heyman himself came over a few times. And uh, yes, it was very interesting. Yeah, birth of you know FMW 
that the Onita's idea, a lot of ideas, like in early 90s, a lot of ideas was taken from his days he spent uh, in Tennessee territory, you know, that the fighting at the concession stand, false count anywhere, and he took this barbed wire thing from uh, when he went to Puerto Rico, but the, all kinds, you know, brass, you know, brawling style, angles, uh, pile driver on the table, all kinds of things that came from Tennessee. You know Onita's thing? Well, yeah, there's even yeah. YouTube videos still of Onita in Memphis. You can find them on YouTube Yeah, I know, still. I know. Yeah, Onita and Fuchi against people like uh, Mickey Morton and Eddie Gilbert and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a fight among concession stand with hot dog and ketchups and mustard and all, the, all those things. Yes. They uh, yeah they reproduce that in Japan yes, but so, a lot of things. Early part of ECW they they took a lot of ideas from FMW too though. While when they were more deathmatch oriented, later on ECW wasn't much of deathmatch anymore. But the hardcore spirit was there, because you were always catered to more hardcore. You know, reading-oriented audience at the ECW arena. So, I mean, and also back in the '90s, I think one of the one of the most popular traded tapes was uh, the yeah. Mick Foley King of the Death match. Uh, you know, IWA Japan. Yeah, that wasn't FMW. No, it wasn't but FMW, like a, but there's still an influence yeah, but, there. Yeah, uh, IWA Japan and the group like Wing, they were all spin-off from FMW. Same office worker, couple, you know, same workers, Mr. Pogo, you know what I'm saying? They migrated from FMW into IWA Japan, the Wing, the other spin-offs, you know, independents. So where was Sabu's influence? Did he did he pick it up from Onita and then kind of kind of influenced Paul, or how did how did he fit into this whole uh, situation? He grew to be a superstar in Japan. In Japan. There was a tag team tournament, I believe it was 1991. Sabu's very first tour. He was a tag team partner of the original Sheik, his uncle. Right? Yeah. You know, the Sheik. And uh, so over 60-year-old Sheik wouldn't be able to do much, so... 99% of the match, Sabu was working, <laughs> you know, and uh, actually Sabu had very strong respect and, and uh, very, really strong feeling about Onita because Onita is the first promoter who gave Sabu a break, first break, you know, and uh, Sabu started working every tour. He was going back and forth, back and forth. Probably had like a seven, eight, probably sometimes nine tours a year. Might as well live here, you know? Yeah. Did the Japanese but, uh, audience, sort of like the American audience, kind of burn out on all the violence after a few years? Uh, what's different is the uh, you can always pick what you want to watch over here in Japan, just like going to a you know, restaurant, 
if you want to go to Italian restaurant, you go to Italian restaurant. If you want to have Chinese, you go eat Chinese. If you just want to order pizza, you order pizza, right? Just like that, if you want to have traditional New Japan card, you go to New Japan show. If you want to have giant bubble world or Misawa type, you know, traditional, you know, all Japan type card, you go all Japan show. And if you feel like going to FMW or Big Japan or IWA Japan, um, FMW, you go to those shows. You can always choose what you want to watch over here. Whereas, as big as the United States are, you actually only have WWE and at the time WCW and your local independent. So I want to talk about Sabu because Sabu's style is original, very original, and uh, actually uh, there's a philosophy. You you emulate you know emulate three your favorite you know your favorite superstars. Okay. What created Sabu is out of three legends. Did you hear about this? This is a famous story actually. To create Sabu, okay. You have one original chic, okay? Two super superfly Jimmy Snuka. Three Sayama original Tiger Mask. Combine three and divide by three. You have Sabu. Do you know what I'm saying? Even is that what he told you? Yeah, yeah. But that's a, f a lot of people do the same thing too. Okay, I'll I'll say it one more time. To create Sabu, the original Sheik, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, and the tiger, original Tiger Mask. Those three wrestlers, you combine and put it in your brain and mix it and divide, and, and, and that's Sabu. But actually, what was interesting, um, when I, uh, this came from Nick Bakwinkle, late Nick Bakwinkle. Bakwinkle told me exact same story. It was so interesting. Nick Bakwinkle said that uh, he emulated three wrestlers and then mixed it together and divided by three and became Nick Bakwinkle. Those three wrestlers were Buddy Rogers, Freddie Blassie, and Dick Bayer. Makes sense, though. I can see the first two. I'm still trying to picture, I guess, with the interviews with Dick Bayer, sure. Figure four, double yeah. knee drop. And the straw and and the ring psychology is more of it. Yeah, Buddy Rogers, Freddie Blassie, and Dick Bayer. Those three were the, the the three wrestlers. You know, Buckwinkle told me that he he had emulated. Oh wow! So that makes sense, though. Who do you think is the most emulated wrestler in Japan history? In Japanese history. Inoki. Probably. Inoki Obaba. Ah, but, but they're all one of a kind. But Fujinami does work a lot like Inoki, too. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it, Riki Choshu and his protege, Kensuke Sasaki, worked a lot like. Yeah. Now, obviously, each generation watches what they watch growing up. Um, you know, for example, you know, just a few years ago in the United States, you had... 
Seems like every indie wrestler dressed like the Hardy Boys. We've seen a generation <laughs> influenced by Shawn Michaels, things like that. Mm-hmm. Does the does is there a current crop of wrestlers in Japan? Is there someone that they're emulating who they grew up watching right now? Independent scene, you see a lot of mini Tanahashi's here. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And there are the, like in the 90s, there are always guys that, who dressed up like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Yeah. And uh, like, even today's guys, yes, I can see young bucks and saying that, yeah, they got, you know, Hardy Boys influence in it. Yeah. But I don't see them so much as a, as a, as a copy. I mean, certainly there's some influence, but I don't see them as, as necessarily, you know, a complete ripoff of the Hardys. Oh no no, but they they are more more of a game generation and YouTube generation that, uh, for my taste, they do way too many moves in one match, too much, you know. Because you do the one spectacular move after another, and letting guys kicking out of the counter too, and that sometimes doesn't mean anything anymore, you know. Save it. Hey, one of the things I do kind of want to save for next week, and maybe you can think about it, is maybe we should talk next week yes. about the yeah. Young Bucks and how they're seen yeah. in Japan. Talk about uh, the influence, the difference between, because as you see, like for example, you know, Hot Topic is all over the Bullet Club, and in the United States, people are buying the Bullet Club t-shirts, but isn't in Gobernales uh, de Japan, de Japan, the uh, the the big thing in Japan right now versus the versus the bullet Naito's club. Naito's group, you mean? Yeah. Huh. Well, give it a, give it some thought, and we can talk about. Yeah, well, of... take a, you know, um, today's um, bullet club is more of a scouting um, scouting NWO. See, they may wear same T-shirt, but the people don't really look at them as uh, bullet club anymore. No. Finn Balor, Prince David, you know, Carl Anderson, Gallows all gone, you know what I'm saying? Um, you can wear same t-shirt, but the Bullet Club aura is pretty much gone in my eyes. Yeah. Well, let's uh, you know we'll talk saying? about kind of their influence where the Young Bucks are perceived in Japan versus the United States. And let's uh, let, let's tease that for next week. Yeah, but look, a... look. I don't have okay. Are you running out of time? Not necessarily. Okay, but look, Young Bucks have never won any tag team title here. Just the junior never. title. And never been on main event in an important show. Right. Never, and I don't think they will be in anytime soon. It was more he. Those two are more internet generation who creates themselves to be more of a star than I shouldn't say but uh, you know they tape their own you know YouTube program from out of Japan and they put it in YouTube and uh, perceived as stars but the new Japan company itself hasn't done much to you know for them yeah I kind of get the impression this is why I want to talk about it is because I mean you got to give them credit. Like you said, they've built themselves up. 
They've created a platform. They're they're apparently doing well financially. So give them all the credit in the world for being able uh-huh. to do that on their own. That's a feather in their cap. But yeah, the impression I get is that they're just a you know an opening match, exciting tag team. But usually yeah. you don't see them in feuds. Usually they're in like a multi-person match, opening up the Eight show, tag team matches, and they're exciting. Yeah, but it's not match, like they're major match. guys in Japan. No, not a major guys at all. Mm-mm. Not to take any anything away. I mean, they're talented people. Okay. Yeah. Very talented. But um, uh, they're not being treated as any stars, really. I mean, stars as in like the Funks were. Uh, the Brody and Stan Hansen, the Road Warriors were, or even Doug Furness and Phil LaFont were, uh, see, Johnny Ace was, and the Young, young Bucks is uh, kind of young, two young guys that's on the second, I mean, every, pretty much on every other tour, that's fine, but uh, never in main event, right? But I think they're able to very successfully leverage their uh, their their spot in Japan to make them seem like bigger stars and bigger draws here happening. in the United States. And good for them for doing That's, that. That's a credit. Yeah, but when New Japan and companies like ROH have combined show in America, they'll be there. You know, they'll be there. Um, but f- the reality is, though, as soon as guys start getting getting like pretty good exposure and pretty good response, like you know O'Reilly's and uh, uh, three guys who just went to NXT, signed with NXT, they were ready to get pushed, you know, uh, to receive some push in Japan. But as soon as get, they were ready, WWE take them. Kyle O'Reilly. And what's the long hair guy? Oh, uh, uh, Adam Cole. Yeah, and another partner. Bobby Fish. Yeah, those three. Very talented. Really talented guys. They're ready to become big time or something. And somebody must be watching from the from WWE. It's like, okay, got him, right? Because they all want to go eventually go to WWE. That's the reality of it. See, it takes certain talent to spend your whole career in Japan. See, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, those people choose to make the home ring here. Whereas most of American wrestlers want to spend some time in Japan, but when the, the, the phone calls comes from WWE, they want to go. But I think economics have a lot to do with that. With Brody sure. and Hanson, I mean, they had the most lucrative spots in wrestling because Japan was wrestling on fire and yeah. it paid more than any spot here in the United States. Whereas I'm at sure that some of the top guys in New Japan do very, very well. But for a, for just a guy, you're probably going to do better in WWE. Not just that, but uh, you become bigger star with WWE, though. Yeah. See. A lot of times, work in Japan, it's kind of like your rock music song. There's one song called Big in Japan, right? Yep. Yeah, so you can be big in Japan, but uh, who the heck are you in States sometimes? So depends on how you look at yourself there then. 
Interesting. When yeah, is uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember. We talked about this, I think, on the the last show. Enoki yeah. is doing a uh, a public His living memorial. memorial show. Yeah, when is that coming up? Um, October twenty first. Okay, maybe October we should. Maybe we should. I'll be some... there. But that's another thing. Interesting is though, October twenty first, same time in Yokohama. All Japan has a Yokohama Bunka show. Uh, same night, you know. See, wrestling is not as big, they say, but still, every Saturday and every Sunday, you have 15 to 20 shows in Japan. I was looking at uh, this coming, see, October 15th, um, NOAA, All Japan, Dragon Gate, Big Japan, DDT, K-Dojo, Rising. It's like, one, two, three, four. It was one weekend, uh, one Sunday, there's like a 24 shows just in Japan. Not counting any independents. Oh, they're basically independent, but like, like we have no name independents too. But like name companies. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, sometimes 20 shows, 15 shows. Same Saturday afternoon, same night. So, uh, <laughs> well, like, this is wrestling fans' heaven still, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I still attend over 100 shows a year, and I'm lazy now. <laughs> yeah, so lazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so lazy. Well, next week, why don't we, uh, as we build up to the uh, memorial show, maybe we should spend yeah, some time talking about uh, talking about Inoki next week. Yeah, yeah. This is very interesting that Inoki has to, still has to run shows. <laughs> you know, why wouldn't he retire, right? Well, I mean, he's just... retired as a... Yeah, as an as an active wrestler, but he still has to promote a show. Well, and I know you mentioned that it's common to have the memorial shows and things while you're still alive in Japan. It's not common. No, it's not common. I thought you said it was. Okay, sorry. Who said? Who said? Maybe I misunderstood you. You know, my old age, I miss stuff, Fumi. Um, memorial while you're alive is like a super big celebrity or super big politician does that every now and then. Yeah. Yeah, we have that, but not so popular. And, uh, yeah, we know if you wanted to do it, you know, for something, you know, something or rather. Um, he said that he got the letter from Giant Baba challenging him at uh, uh, the other side of the river. This is like a really spooky, you know? That All is, right. Uh... The other side of the river meaning that, uh, you know, in Japanese, you know, Buddhist thought, you know, idea that uh, you walk across the river from this world to the other world, you know? And Baba standing on the other side of the river challenging him. So it's like, he may have to go soon. It's like, ah, what? What? It's really spooky, isn't it? Does that do you do you think is he implying that maybe could there be a health issue or something that people don't know about? Well, with Mr. Antonio Inoki, you never know, you know. Right. Everything can be an angle. Everything could be true. They're really, really elusive, you know. Yeah, and then his entourage don't even know what the deal is. He does not tell anybody anything. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, maybe we should uh, let's 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 save it right there and let's talk uh, about Antonio to- Antonio Inoki, one of the biggest Japanese legends, uh, next week as we uh, look forward look uh, toward this uh, this okay, memorial okay. show and uh, who's yeah. going to be. But uh, yeah, I got ma- I want to make sure that uh, you know uh, I wanted uh, you know that, that make sure that the, what I wanted to you know talk about Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. Not a Japanese wrestler anymore. You know what I'm saying? He does not, you know, go. You know, he's not going to come back to Japan to wrestle any company or New Japan or anything. He has left this side of the ocean. He's like a major league baseball player going to major league baseball. You know, Nakamura is not Japanese boundary here. You know, bound at all. So it's not like sending message to any New Japan wrestler how Nakamura is treated or perceived. Or you have to consider Nakamura as WWE superstar. Do the fans find that I don't know, for lack of a better term, uh, insulting, or do they take it as a rejection of Japan or Japanese culture? When no, 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 not like that at all. Okay. They're celebrating. See, when Hideo Nomo, again, or people like Ichiro, or, or, or Darvish, or, you know, all those Major League Baseball players, when they left, they were joining bigger and better league. You know, Nakamura has done everything he could do with New Japan Ring. Just like I said, he had IWGP Ring, he got every single title. Um, all those, he had his run with New Japan. He had graduated, and no rejection. People clapped. All right, go to America, join WWE, kick ass. Yeah, no rejection at all. And now that there's technology, thanks to technology, Japanese fans watch WWE Network too. Just like Asuka. Or the Hojo, now not the Kairi saying now, but uh, those you know wrestlers are very special. They had their run domestically. They're going America, and every wrestling fans look at WWE as the biggest, biggest major super, you know, major league. You can't deny that. And uh, not just America, but going WWE, meaning that uh, you've been wa- you will be watched by worldwide audience. That's true, isn't it? Oh, no question. Yeah, English-speaking world, you know. So uh, you have traveled into your bigger ocean, really. It's okay that we have Tanahashi that uh, who hasn't left. See, Tanahashi. And Nakamura were like a, almost like a twins, two superstars. You have to, you know, pick one. Always was like that. And uh, Tanahashi is the one who stayed home with his family, and Nakamura is the one who left home. And uh, yeah, so it's like that. But even you've you've talked about that before. I mean, Nakamura was kind of put in a position where you either stay and get stagnant because. You're not going to be, you're, you're kind of pushed down because of Tanahashi and Okada. 
or you know you go out into the big world and become a WWE superstar. He was kind of his hand was forced to a degree in that regard. Ah, uh, but the people in the back of their mind always always thought Nakamura is more special than anybody else because he's different. He does not mingle. He does not want to work. He doesn't work with anybody. You know, work like anybody else. He doesn't look like anybody else. He doesn't act like anybody else. Very eccentric guy from the day one. It takes certain talent, you know. Just very eccentric, special, on their own kind of guy. Whereas Tanahashi is such a team player, you know. He's a locker room, you know, general, you know. Whereas Nakamura... It's Nakamura don't really belong to any clique, you know? He's an artist. Well, I think we've covered some good stuff this week. Uh, next week mentioned we'll, really? talk, we'll talk about uh, yeah. maybe Antonio Inoki and uh, whatever else is, is in the news. And as always, uh, you can follow Fumi on his social platform on uh, on Twitter. Where do they follow you? Uh, Fumihiko Dayo, you mean? Yes, I do mean that. Fumihiko Dayo, yeah. F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, and I'm at yes, the Jim Valley. Yeah. And uh, we'll take questions. We didn't get too many questions this week, but maybe uh, next week. want to thank everybody who downloaded the show, got some great feedback. Hopefully thank, you will thank share Thank you very it. much. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was yeah. really, really happy with the numbers. We take this opportunity to thank everybody, and also if anybody wants to ask anything at all, historical or recent, or women's wrestling, or or more of a shoot fighting, UWF, anything. Well, hopefully yeah. as the show gets out, and hopefully <laughs> one of the goals is to expose you to, to mo even more of an American audience. I mean, you're already very popular. I know you hate me saying that, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, I know. Sorry. I don't mean to sound like an a-hole. Uh, but oh, anyway, no. hopefully, but, but, we'll yeah, get... no, we have good conversation, like a radio, yeah. you know, talk radio, and then uh, um, when we have friendly, great, you know, in-depth wrestling conversation, serious wrestling fans want to jump in. Yeah, I think us. Pacific Rim Wrestling is the place to be if you want a fun, intelligent, in-depth conversation about today's wrestling and wrestling throughout the years. So as we say, between Seattle and Tokyo. At all points yeah. throughout history, Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast.